Welcome, family, and thank you for joining me for episode 19 of the Indigiru podcast. So, uh, this week has been uh, so interesting. Um, in very many ways, over the last couple of weeks, I've had the the blessing and the honor to support uh, a few families bringing their their new young ones earthside. And um, I had already been mulling over uh, a few different thoughts just around our choices and, you know, how it leads us down different paths. And then um, this week, it really just hit home in a, in a different kind of way. And so I want to talk about the choices that we make and the choices that are made for us. And so on tonight's episode, um, it's not really going to be a whole lot of, um, it, this is not a, a current uh, meditation per se. Th- watching how um, folks have made choices specifically in the arena of birth work has been um, obviously an ongoing process over the years in my birth practice. And so what I wanted to talk about in this particular um, season, in this particular uh, space and time, is about how families are choosing to birth, how families are choosing um to experience the divine moment that their little one comes earthside. And so one of the the first things that I want to be very clear on um, that I'm kind of seeing, you know, with COVID and there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of anxiety and people are making choices um, out of a a, a few different emotions, not necessarily um, out of what they believe is best for them even if they do ultimately choose something that is best for them, um, if that choice is rooted in fear, then those waters can get a little murky. And so one of the things I've noticed is, uh, particularly for those families that are choosing to birth in a hospital setting, or they have to birth in a hospital setting in terms of um, payment and how their care can be taken care of through insurance and things like that, is that you have to understand that, number one, birth is natural. It's a natural occurrence. It's not a medical event. There are some people that are at high risk and they have particular conditions that um, do require medical intervention. And so just to be clear, those aren't the the cases or the scenarios that I'm discussing here. And so typically, when you have a healthy, low-risk pregnancy um, and the person is choosing to birth in the hospital, um, these days I am seeing uh, induction being recommended at like some ridiculously high rates and 
you know, towards the end of pregnancy, um, most folks are like, hey, like, I'm tired of being pregnant. <laughs> I am ready for this baby to come out. There's there's a myriad of feelings already that are, that are normally present um, towards the end of pregnancy anyway. And so what's happening is when you have these providers come in and they're suggesting um, induction, they are suggesting it in a way that um, makes the person fear fearful, makes them feel like it must be done or else this horrible outcome is going to happen. And so there's two things here. Again, if you have generally had a healthy, low-risk pregnancy, for you to get to 39, 40 weeks and have it be that you are being recommended for an induction and all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, this is a cause for concern, that is a cause for concern, and you feel yourself being afraid because obviously you want to make sure that your child is born as healthy as possible, that you have the best outcome as possible as well. But we have to be very critically minded and very intuitive and we have got to prepare. And so what I'm finding is um, with folks being home with COVID and you know, not understanding uh, the ch- ever-changing hospital policies, there's a lot of um, muck and mire going on right now that isn't generally present. But what I have got to say and that I have got to encourage all families that are expecting in the near future is you have got to prepare mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually as far ahead of time as possible. You need to know um, some of the tactics that uh, may come up in your conversation with providers. You need to know the policies of the hospitals that you are choosing to birth in. You think that, okay, I'm making this one choice and this is the only choice that I'm making. But what many people don't understand is that once you make one choice, um, for example, choosing an induction, depending on the medication that you're given, how long um, it takes to get your body into labor, um, any subsequent medicines that, like, the clock starts, basically, from your choice of induction. So once you begin receiving whatever that induction medication is, whether it's internally or orally, you then start the clock for these other interventions. And what I'm also seeing at an alarmingly high rate, and this is a side of the ridiculously high rates um, in general of C-section, black maternal mortality, all of these things. But right now it is so cookie cutter that I, I really was like, wait a second, like what is actually happening here? That inductions are being promoted and um, suggested at a really, really high rate. And over 80% of the time, they're ending in C-section. And so there's a lot going on here. Because once you make that first choice of induction and you're given uh, medication, depending on how quickly you progress, maybe they're suggesting 
um, Pitocin to intensify contractions and then obviously, you know, Pitocin is mimicking oxytocin, which is the natural hormone that um, assists in labor and then it's, okay, I'm in a lot of pain and maybe you're choosing an epidural, maybe you're not. Then once you get there, okay, you're not progressing quick enough. It's like, it's really this like step-by-step thing. And then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, you need a C-section because A, B, C, D, E, F, G is going on. And it's not to say that A, B, C, D, E, F, G isn't going on, but it is also understanding that you know, once you make that initial choice, and it is your choice, you then are opening up yourself to having other choices made for you down the road. And the best way to uh, prepare and honor the process and have sovereignty in those situations is to know your rights, your options, and to exercise those rights and options all throughout your pregnancy. And so obviously um, there's been an uptick in conversation about black maternal health. There's been an uptick in all of this information and a lot of women that are due are, are fearful that they're gonna die, rightly so. And so um, some folks are towards the end of their pregnancy and they hadn't really considered uh, a doula or a midwife or holistic care or anything like that until um, the end stages. Some folks are uh, newly pregnant. They just got pregnant yesterday (laughs) and they're already like, you know, no, I I need a team. I need this person, that person, da, 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 da. And so there's many people along the spectrum here. But what I want to talk about today, again, regarding choices is the, the preparation portion is key. You have got to train your mind. You have got to train your spirit. You're basically walking into an environment of battle, giving birth in the hospital. And I don't mean that you're fighting people or that you are... Um, literally battling. I mean on an energetic level. I mean on a spiritual level. I mean on a sovereignty rights level. It is a battlefield. Now, I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat that for anyone under any circumstances. I absolutely honor and respect everyone's choice to birth as they are, and I will support you no matter what. But I'm also um, absolutely have to tell you the real. And so I just want to uh, encourage and advise that as you are making these choices about how you want to birth, um, choosing induction in particular, you have to know that once you make that choice, other choices will be made for you along the way that were not necessarily attached to the reasons you made that original choice. So if you're just tired of being pregnant and you're overwhelmed and your belly is heavy and you just want this baby out, which I can 100% relate to. Um, I have two children that made it to their due date, their due date babies. And then I have one child that was born uh, one week early at 39 weeks, like exactly. And I was over it, right? 
(laughs) by the time I got to 40 weeks, I was done. By the time I got to 39 weeks, I was done. And so I can absolutely relate to that. But I want to encourage you to think beyond the discomfort that may lead you to um, a decision about induction because the fact of the matter is is c-sections although they're done quite often it's major surgery and that part and the possibility of that being um, a part of your birthing scenario that is not something to be considered lightly and while that's generally not what people are thinking is going to happen connected to induction what I'm seeing at very very high rates and levels is that that is actually uh, primarily what is happening as an outcome of induction and so while you may make a decision and make a choice out of discomfort or um, some other reason that you've been given unless it is emergent literally unless it is medically emergent for you or the baby I implore you to please reconsider I implore you to prepare and be surrounded by a holistic and supportive birth care team have people in your corner that you can run information by have people in your corner that care about you as an individual and will not Um, just let things just won't stand idly by as any old thing is told or as you're treated dismissively in those spaces because honey it is literally life or death okay there's no other way to put it understanding that you are walking into a battlefield that no one would wake up one day and say you know what I think I'm gonna go to war next week I'm just gonna walk onto the battlefield without being prepared without being trained without uh you know PT without (laughs) the mental fitness and, and understanding and strategy that goes into being on a battlefield and so when I'm talking about strategy again this does not have to be at all something that is um that comes with a lot of friction or argument or anything like that. But having your strategy in place for your birth plan can literally save your life. Having a strategy um, regarding who is on your birth support team can literally save your life. Understanding the ramifications of the choices that you make can absolutely save your life because Right now, there are choices that you can make, and then there's absolutely choices that will be made for you after a certain point that you may not have been given information on in the beginning. And so I just want to encourage you. I want us to be like, you know, we talk about being mindful, honey. Mm -mm. This is like, if there's ever a time in life to be mindful, this is the time. Giving birth is no joke. It's no joke even when it occurs, um, you know, outside of a hospital setting or without medical intervention. It is a sacred and divine occurrence. You are literally between worlds as you're giving birth. You're on the physical, you're between the physical realm and the spiritual realm. That is my 
my belief and it's what I've seen time and time and time again. That alone is such a sacred and intense space to be in that when you add in medical interventions and hospitals and staff and respect or dismissiveness and all these other factors, it can get really um, intense. And it doesn't mean that you know, your environment actually looks intense. A lot of people are like, well, it wasn't, you know, I didn't feel like anything was a big deal or this or that. But then your pressure, your blood pressure is through the roof. Why? Because energetically and physiologically, your body is telling you like, this is stress. These are stressors. This is too much. And while there may not be anything visible happening, there is something happening. And so again, I just, I want to implore us all as we are making choices about our life and specifically about how we are going to birth, prepare early and prepare often. Build your support care team and be mindful of the outcomes. Take your thought to completion. Ask as many questions as you have of your care provider and then ask again a second opinion of other folks. And get a variety of input so that as you are making a decision as a sovereign person, you are fully informed about the decision that you're making. Because guess what? At the end of the day, um, as a birth worker, I don't make decisions for anyone but myself. I support every family that I serve and the decisions that they make. But it is certainly my job to inform them of everything and give them as much information as possible so that they can make the best decisions for themselves, right? Not that I'm coming in and busting down doors and, no, you're not going to do this, da-da-da-da-da. No. But I am certainly going to arm each and every family that I support and any person that is under under the sound of my voice, quite frankly. I am shouting this to the mountaintops like this is serious business because you also have to consider that once the baby is here that does not mean that you won't have postpartum complications being aware being intentional being prepared being in tune with your body when you know oh this feels off or this is happening being heard making sure that you have a relationship with your care team so many people and I, I guess this is like you know just the medical standard right now where a lot of folks just don't even have a, a actual relationship with one particular provider they may be seeing a series of people they may be seeing a you know every visit's a different person and then they have no idea who's going to show up at their birth and that's another thing I was thinking about I was like oh wow you know, for my first two children, my OB, like she had been my, you know, GYN doctor since I was a teenager. And obviously, you know, through two children that were several years apart, and we had a relationship. She was also a black woman, OB. And, uh, you know, we, we knew one another. And I think she did have on call people, but I'd be like, hey, please, like, can you make sure that no matter what you're at my birth and there were times where she's like you know 
like for my first birth she's like yes I'll make sure that I'm there second birth she's like listen I have a family vacation a couple of days after your due date so if you go into labor da 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 then I won't be there you know so I'm like okay and then my (laughs) child came on her due date and she's like okay boom I'm there and then um with my youngest child a community mama where our children had gone to the same um school community school uh she's a black midwife and so we knew each other prior to me even being pregnant and uh, same thing she was in a a rotating practice as well but it was the same one-on-one conversation like hey sis I know that anybody could show up but I'm having a conversation with you like please I need for you to be there I need for you to be present I trust you and that trust and that relationship was such a pivotal aspect to my birth outcomes And I realized that as I'm looking at these numbers and I'm looking at how people are being communicated with, that relationship portion is actually lacking. And so, no, everyone is not right now able to um, have a close relationship with um, their provider during their pregnancy. And I respect that. I know that we're all in very different scenarios. However, no matter what scenario uh, we are in, I am absolutely, absolutely, absolutely encouraging any birthing person at this in this moment, specifically um, black or indigenous or um, just, <laughs> I, I can't even, it's just, it's so non-discriminatory, it's crazy, but I'm definitely seeing indigenous and black women with at that 90% of, okay, let's just get you cut open, you know, with the C-section business or, oh, let's just get you induced and utilizing fear. And, you know, a part of me is like, listen, I've peeped game on this a while ago. When you have people that um, have been entwined in these particular systems of oppression for so long and are um, possibly emotionally vulnerable in these different kind of ways fear affects those people differently so I'm not gonna sit here and act like the tactics that are being used to um, elicit a fearful response and get people to do what they want to do is not based on knowing these different communities Because when I've supported, um, you know, white American families and they're presented with, yeah, you should still do this as this, inherently their response is knowing that they have options and they're like, yeah, okay, well, we'll see. Like, I'll I'll, I'll decide. And I, I just cannot say that that is not a factor outside of the intent of the the hospitals and, and OBs and all of this. It's a factor. So if you're listening and you're a black woman or you're an indigenous woman or you're a native woman, an aboriginal woman of any whatever uh, ethnicity, I need you to know that you must be mindful of the choices you are making in birth and the connected outcomes. You must be mindful about who you have supporting you 
on your birthing journey. You have got to be mindful about the level of knowledge that you need to just come out at even. Right? Just to come out at even. Because we're not even getting into, you know, postpartum recovery with this. This is just to get you to even having your baby healthy, you being healthy, period. That's even, right? And then there's so much more that takes place in the postpartum period that you need to be mindful of. But again, please, please prepare. Be informed. Get support. Surround yourself with people that have your highest and best interests at heart. Because time and time again, I am seeing so often that your life literally, literally depends on it. 